Welcome to another message from Bridge Assembly, located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information on Bridge, go to our website at bridgehelena.com. It is our prayer that this message will help you to connect with God, connect with others, and connect others with God. Holy is the Lord. Amen. It's good to be here this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are holy. And you deserve our, our praise. You deserve our adoration. And Lord God, really, we deserve nothing in return. But because of your love and your grace and your mercy for each one of us. Lord, we can't even understand that to its full effect. But because of that, Lord God, you invite us in your presence. You invite us into a time where we can gather and lift our voices to you, where we can we can read your word, where we can fellowship with one another, where we can lift each other up, where we can we can reach into the community and, and pluck those people from from the worldly sinful life that they're living in and invite them in to be a part of the body. So Jesus, you deserve to be praised this morning. We just ask for your anointing upon this service and upon this, this body, Lord God. We ask that, that you put us in a position where you trust us, Lord God, to do the things that, that you desire us to do. Lord, we desire this place to be a place of healing in the spiritual sense and, and in the emotional sense and, and also in the, the physical sense. So, Lord God, we trust what you're word says, we trust what the Bible says, and, and we ask that you empower us yes. to be that type of church. Yes. A light that shines into the darkness, Lord God, because you are the head of this church and you are leading us. So Jesus, today, work on people's hearts. Yes. Lord God, minister to them where they're at right now. Lord God, convict us, challenge us, confirm things in us this morning as we gather together. We pray this all in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and everyone shouted Amen. Amen. Thank you worship team. That was good. All right. Heck, let's just dismiss the kids right now. Kids, head on. Head on down. All right. A couple quick announcements. We'll run through them pretty quick. Obviously, if you got into the sanctuary, you see that our foyer looks very different this morning. Um, that's because we're having our last Sundays up here this Sunday. We'll have um, food after service. So just uh, plan on staying. Even if you didn't plan on staying, reconsider and stay and fellowship and hang out and share, share a meal. It is also the one-year anniversary of our cafe, so that's pretty fun. So we're kind of celebrating that as well, half price. Drinks, double punch Sunday, all of that. 
Unless something drastic happens, I think we will be totally on schedule to have last Sundays downstairs next month. So everything should be done. It's the kitchen remodel is coming along um, incredibly well. If you guys have, you know, taken a gander at that, obviously we don't want people in there, but if you walk by, you can see the. It's a rather drastic transformation of how it used to be, right? To where it is now, even though it's not always done. And, and you know, last week, I was thinking about it, last week we, we talked about pain and the chronic pain versus the healing pain. And, and sometimes you don't realize how much chronic pain you're in until that healing pain actually comes into your life. I think that's a, a little bit what I'm experiencing with the kitchen downstairs as well. You know, until now, I didn't realize how bad, the, I knew the kitchen was bad, but I didn't know how bad it actually was. And uh, uh, with new cabinets that are actually clean and crisp and sanitary, that's a good thing. And, and countertops that, that aren't stained and cracked, right? That's a great thing. So again, life lessons, right? The, the kitchen in its simplicity can point out things um, within our lives as well. Sometimes we have old, dirty kitchens in our lives that need a remodel, right? Um, and sometimes it's the actual building in the, in the house that needs to, to be done, or the kitchen in the house. So um, we want to just thank everybody that's participated in that, and then we'll do more as it, as it comes along. But great things are happening. Also, last week we started the Options Baby Bottle, um, and... Uh, we, I think we had more baby bottles on stage last week than we ever have, and I thought I would have to gather some up and put them out again this Sunday, but they were all gone. Um, so if you have yours, you can just stick them on stage. Just continue to bring those through throughout the next month, um, and then we'll just take them all down. Or if you want to just drop them off right at Options, Next week, we will probably have more empty bottles. People were asking for more empty bottles today, so we will do that. Hey, let's see. We have a new Wednesday night class starting. It's called Cultures in Conflict. That will start a week from this Wednesday in the office complex, 6.30. Um, it'll be another good study. Consider attending that. It's always good. And then Mel asked me to announce this one. The giving statements were emailed, right? Um, there's some people that don't really do email. Those were mailed out, but for, for most people, they were emailed. If you haven't received your year-end giving statement, holler at us. But first, before you holler, check your email. Check all parts of your email. It should be there. Um, but we want to make sure that you guys get all of that stuff. Those are our announcements for today. Four ways to give, of course, like always, right? You can give uh, online. You can give through our app. It's another great way. You can text it. You can use our giving boxes. Or you can throw a stamp on it and send it here. And honestly, all four of those get used, and it's awesome. Um, and we know why we give. We give because it's part of worship, and, and we love that aspect of our faith in God, right? We're going to be talking about faith today. And uh, it's a big step of faith to trust God with your finances. And actually, it's a bigger step of faith to acknowledge that they're his finances that he's trusting you with. 
right? And that changes our perspective even when it comes to giving. That being said, I am so ready to jump into this message. You guys ready? You guys want to get rolling? All right, let's pray again for this message. Father, again, like always, it's great to be in your house this morning, Lord God. And, and Lord God, we have faint wisps of soups floating into this sanctuary, but let us not be distracted by our stomachs and let our spirits and our hearts and minds be tuned into you this morning. Once again, Jesus, we glorify you and we want everything that you have for us, Lord God. We don't want to satisfy for 10% or 20% or even 95%. We want every single thing that you have for us this morning. And Lord God, we, we, we try to position ourselves to to grab hold of all that, but Lord God, we so definitely need a nudge from the Holy Spirit to get into that right position. So Holy Spirit, you have rule and reign here. Allow me to speak everything that you desire me to say and shut my mouth with anything else. And like I always pray, and, and as Dave alluded to in, in, in worship, Lord God, we, we truly desire to not leave here the same way that we came in. So change us adapt us, equip us, challenge us, but Lord God, don't allow us to leave this building here today the same way that we came in. Jesus, we glorify you. Holy is your name and powerful are you to change the lives of those people that, that are apart from you as well as us in here that so, so desperately cling to you. Lord God, we desire change. And you are the mode of change. So we pray this in your name, Jesus. And everyone shout it out. Amen. Amen. Well, before I jump right into the service, I, I, I want to throw something out there. It's, it's baptism. I've had a couple um, inquiries about baptism. Um, so we want to get that going. We want to get that, that um, scheduled for what, what we will do. It's going to be a little bit different than how we do it in the summer because we don't really want to go down to Spring Meadow and do baptism. And I, I've, I've tried it, but it's really hard on the people because they hit that ice and I just got to keep pushing and pushing. Um, so we don't want to do that. We learn from our mistakes, don't we? We learn from our experience. That's called wisdom. So we have... Um, the ability to do baptisms right here, um, and we want to get that scheduled. So if you are interested in, in being baptized, um, holler at me after service just so I can get that put together. Um, I, I will say this, I would, I would really like to do baptisms with two arms. I know that's selfish on my part, but, uh, and that, so that won't be that much longer, I hope, before I have two arms, but, uh, but we want to get that going, and we want to make sure whoever wants to get baptized understands what baptism is and, and why it's important in the biblical standard of, of baptism. So holler at me, and we'll, we'll get that rolling. It'll be awesome. Maybe you've been baptized before, but you've gone through some things in your life like we always do. Maybe you've kind of re-energized your faith or rededicated yourself to Jesus. Might be a good time to, to, to get dunked again, to get baptized again. Again, it's a personal thing, right? So God will direct you in that and, and speak to your hearts on that. So once again, just say, you don't, we don't, we're not going to get in a big discussion to say, hey, pastor, I, 
I'm kind of thinking about getting baptized. That's all you got to say to me. Amen? Amen? All right, let's get rolling. So as I've been thinking, and, and you know, this is, let's see, I had the two weeks off because of my surgery and all that, and that was at the, the uh, beginning of the year in, in 2023. What, what year? 24, right? so hard to even keep track anymore. So, so we've transitioned into this new year, and I know that's just a flip of the calendar, but, but honestly, I feel like the Holy Spirit has been challenging us as individuals, but also as a church in the, in the first, first month of, of this year, this, this January month. And the last two messages have really been about sharing our unique and our, our special and wonderful testimony with others. And and then also dealing with and overcoming that, that chronic pain that can inherently be in our lives and that, that chronic pain that we deal with on a day-to-day basis. We talked about maybe recognizing that and then getting the, the healing process started, even though that healing process can involve some, some pain. And those two messages fit together, glorifying what God has done but what God is also doing. How many of you guys believe that God is on the move? I just think God is ramping some things up. Man, people are getting more excited about Jesus. They're coming to Jesus. And and that's exciting to me. And that can happen all the time. But, But it just seems like God is doing something special. So we take those two messages and, and, uh, you know, they do fit together simply because pain is the commonality that links us all together. And it's, it's really our testimony, right, that can be the introduction of hope in Jesus into people's lives. So when we give our testimony, it probably should include some of the pain that we've been through in our lives because people can relate to that pain. Well, this morning we're going to jump right into Scripture and we're going to see where it takes us. So please open yourselves up um, and let the Holy Spirit in and let the Holy Spirit challenge you because I believe we all need to be challenged. Amen? In your Bibles, turn with me to, to Romans 4, 18 through 21. Is that Romans? Now I'm all messed up in my brain. might be Hebrews. Is it Romans or Hebrews? Open up your Bible real quick. Yes, redhead on the front row. I'm just questioning myself, and I'm off painkillers. I seriously, I am. Is that Romans or Hebrews? That's Romans. I knew it was. Just testing you guys. Now you guys are all in your Bible, aren't you? Romans 4:18 through 21. This is out of the Amplified Bible. In hope against hope, Abraham believed that he would become a father of many nations as he had been promised by God, so numberless shall your descendants be without becoming weak in faith. He considered his own body now as good as dead for for producing children since he was about 100 years old, and he considered the deadness of Sarah's womb. But he did not doubt or waver in unbelief concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong and empowered by faith, giving glory to God, being fully convinced that God had the power to do what he had promised. Amen is right. Amen to that. This is is one incredibly powerful 
passage of scripture. And what makes this passage so powerful? It's really a couple of things. The first thing is, is the words that are being used here. The words that are contained in this passage. Powerful words that God wants to speak into each one of our lives. If you have your Bibles, good for you. Underline these words. If you don't have your Bibles, write these words down somewhere. Write them in your notes. Write them on your bulletin. Because these are great words. Look at the words that are contained in here. Words like hope. What a powerful word. What an incredible word is hope. Hope changes the outlook of every single day. Hope changes a person's life. Look at these words. Promised by God. Promised by God. Now we can make promises to other people. They may not hold a lot of weight depending on, on the situation, depending on the person. But, but when we're talking about something that's promised by God, Oh my goodness, that changes everything. Look at what else it says. It says, did not doubt or waver. That's an example to us, isn't it? Did not doubt or waver. Here's another one. The promise of God. So not only promised by God, but the promise of God. Things that He promised in the past. Things that He's promising to us right now. Things that He's promised for our future. And then we look at these, strong and empowered by faith. How I many of you guys want to live a life that's strong and empowered? I'm going to tell you this. The only way you can live a life that's strong and empowered is if it's strong and empowered by faith. It also says this, glory to God. Glory to God. Simply put, three powerful words. Glory to God is how we should be living our life every day. And then the last two words, fully convinced fully convinced. We're not skeptical Christians, are we? We're fully convinced. We are fully convinced because the promise of the Word, the truth of the Bible, allows us to be fully convinced. Aren't those great? Aren't those great words? This is important because these words, they describe how we are to live. How we are to live right now. How we are to live this morning. How we are to live today. How we are to live this coming week. So if you've got a week coming up that you're dreading, if you've got a week coming up that you're uncertain about, we come back to words like this, the promises of God. And that empowers us, that emboldens us, that changes our outlook, that grants us hope to be able to face even the most uncertain times that may be in our future. Now, this passage is, is so much more than, than just scripture to read. So much more than just a, a historical account of what was going on in the life of Abraham. It's, it's more than just a passage that we say, hey, I should just memorize that passage. It's much more than that. See, this is the instructions that we are to actually implement into our faith-filled life in Christ. This is how we are to be living. Now the other reason that this passage is so powerful is it's because it's practical. It's user-friendly and something we all need to apply. The basis of this passage is obviously about faith. It's about true, undeniable, overcoming, active, authoritative, and capable 
faith. But before we go any further, let's just back up just a little bit and ask a necessary question. What is faith? The answer to this question can be very dependent upon who you are actually asking. So we can take a little little uh, a walk on a, on a Saturday night, right up last chance, right? Right up um, with all the, the, the breweries and, and bars and restaurants and ice cream places. Those are all open. So we have a, just a, a cross-culture segment of our population. If we were to go out there and we were to ask people, so what is your definition of faith? We're going to get a lot of different definitions, aren't we? And it could lead into some very interesting conversations. Because many people, um, the more people there are, the more different definitions of faith that you are going to encounter. But for this morning, we've got to bring it to a, to a closer point because we want to focus in on certain areas. The general, and I suppose the secular definition of faith would, would look like this. Something that is believed especially with strong conviction. That's kind of brief, to the point, but honestly that doesn't mean a whole lot to me. Does it mean a whole lot to you guys? It just doesn't. It's just kind of generic. Now based upon this answer, we can come to the conclusion that each and every person in the world today has faith or places their faith in something based upon this definition. Because everyone believes in something, and that something that they believe on, they're going to believe in that with strong conviction. See, for the banker, they believe in economics and the structure of finance. It's what they believe in, therefore they, they're going to place their faith in that. For the attorney, it's the rule of law. For the politician, it's the process of government. For the scientist, the pursuit and application of knowledge. For the philosopher, it's the love of wisdom. And even the most staunch atheist has faith in the belief that there is no higher power or creator. So now the question must become, does the faith you possess, no matter what, faith that is, no matter what you place that faith in, does that faith affect you at a core level and when applied change your life, outlook, and ambition? Now here's where Sunday mornings can get a little bit uncomfortable. We're not afraid of being uncomfortable in this church, are we? Because as Christians, we often express our belief by saying, oh yeah, we have faith. We have we have faith in Christ. This is, our, this is the faith of, of who we are. We are a person of faith. But where does that faith come from? And we're going to get to that in a minute. And in so doing, we must now answer the same question. Does my faith in Christ affect me at a core level and when applied change my life, my outlook? And my ambition, see, it just got a whole lot more personal this morning here. Now we could take turns answering this very question right here this morning. However, a better way to evaluate 
where we are in terms of our faith is simply by looking at our actions, because actions always have to be tied to our faith. Flip over to Hebrews 11. This is Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the assurance, title deed, confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality, faith comprehends as facts what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. That's a, that's a better definition of faith right there. Living a life of faith, or, or more appropriately, a life in faith, means that we are not to be looking at and, and living within the parameters of this world. Rather, we are be, to be operating, believing in, and trusting in the parameters that God sets forth within each one of our lives. And those God parameters, those are great parameters. The Father, because of the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit, has, has placed before us the ability to have hope, trust, and confidence that he will protect, provide, and prosper us. You guys believe it? In today's culture, that is an enormous statement, isn't it? Because today's culture seems to have more to do with hurting, withholding, and losing. Now remember, everyone has faith in something. Far too many, even professing Christians, will choose a faith based in this world, in their fellow man, in culture, and in their own abilities. And it literally leads to, to emptiness and, and hardship and, and eventual death. I'm, I'm talking not only about the people that are outside of this church this morning, but I'm, I'm talking to you guys within this church this morning. Evaluate your faith. Where is your faith? What are you placing your faith in? But because of Jesus, everything changes. Everything changes. Not only is there a change in where we will spend eternity, but there is also a change in, in how we live here and how we live right now. It's a core change in our identity and in our outlook. And if you have never experienced this change, I'm talking truly experienced this change, let me tell you, this change changes everything. It changes everything. So here's the deal. Here's the deal this morning. Because I want to be completely upfront with you. I want to be completely honest with you about living a life of faith in Christ. Christianity is easy, but being a Christian can be hard. I'm not going to lie to you about that one. See, one is a concept. One is a concept that, that, that maybe we love to, to grab onto because, because proclaiming that we are a Christian, being associated with a Christian, even attending church on a Sunday morning, that, that concept makes us feel good. It makes us feel like we're in a, we're in a good place. It's just a great concept to grab onto. But a concept is easy until it's put into practice. 
Being a Christian, that is, living a Christ-centered life, a life in faith, it's going to bring many, many challenges. Probably the biggest challenge to all of this is this idea of dying to oneself. Because before Jesus comes into our life, we all have faith in other things. And to a degree, we all have faith in our self. But now Jesus comes into our life and, and we're changed and we begin to read the Bible and Jesus is talking about things like dying to oneself. Hear me when I say either Christ will be in charge and self must submit or self will be in charge and Christ must submit. Say that again. Either Christ will be in charge and self must submit, or self will be in charge and Christ must submit. Now here's the problem with that math. Christ only submits to the Father. Far too many Christians try to, try to build a life with this casual relationship with Jesus. And a casual relationship with Jesus can only have one result, and that's a casual faith. Now apply this to our original question. Does that faith affect you at a core level, and when applied, change your life, change your outlook, and change your ambition? No wonder so many unchurched and de-churched people are skeptical toward Christians. Can you blame them? I mean, seriously, can you blame them with their example? If their example is nothing more than a casual Christian, I can't blame the de-churched and the unchurched for being skeptical and not wanting to come to church. Is that all there is? Is there nothing more than what you're showing me? Why would I invest my time, my effort, and my ability in, in what you're portraying? It's so casual. It's because they only understand a concept and they haven't put into place the practice of that very concept. See, when I read the New Testament, every chapter and every book, what I do not see is a casual or a common faith. I, I can't find it. It's, it. it's not there. I see a faith that is followed by action that casts out fear, that draws people in, and that it's even worth dying for. And I want that kind of faith. I want that kind of faith both for myself, but I also want that kind of faith for this church. Could you even imagine a church filled with that kind of faith. Could you imagine what we could accomplish? Could you imagine the, the walls we could tear down? Could you imagine what we could actually do? But we will never get there with a casual or common type of faith. Now, a relationship with Christ is not so different than any other relationships that we have in our life. Relationships, they take time and they take effort, but sometimes we neglect that time and 
we neglect that effort when it comes to our faith, our faith in Christ. And then a funny thing happens. Then we begin to complain that we just don't hear God. I just don't hear God. I'm just not hearing God like I used to hear God. And we ask questions like, why don't we see God working? I just don't see God working in my life. I don't know what's going on. He should be working in my life. We treat prayer and we treat our scripture study and and we, we treat church attendance casually. Then we experience discouragement and alienation and even apathy in our faith. We need to understand it's not the prayer time or or our Bible reading or our church attendance that we don't have time for. It's Jesus himself that we're choosing to not have time for. And now our so-called professed faith, it doesn't affect us at a core level. And it's not applied. So how can it change our life, change our outlook, or change our ambition? I, I, I just don't think it can. But a true fervent and focused faith in Christ, it does. I'm telling you, it does. A fervent, focused faith in Christ changes lives. Listen to this. This is 1 John 5, 4. For everyone born of God is victorious and overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has conquered and overcome the world. Our continued, persistent faith in Jesus, the Son of God. No, no, it doesn't say casual. Nowhere in there does it say casual. In fact, it's, in fact it says our continuing, our persistent faith in Jesus, the Son of God. See, those, those have to be included there because it has to be a faith, a continued, a persistent faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So how does faith change our life? That's simple. Faith changes our life because faith changes us. Back to Hebrews 11.1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So faith is bound to hope, and hope is conveyed through expectation. Should we, as Christians, live in expectation? That's the question, isn't it? Let me tell you, there's a huge difference between prayer and prayer and faith. Between hope and hope in Christ. So many times we know we need to pray, but do we actually pray with expectation? Or do we kind of go through the motion? Do we kind of say, okay, God, whatever you want to do, I'm not expecting much at all, but if you were to do this, it'd be great, but you probably won't because because I had too many Dr. Peppers the other day and you looked down on that and I've done this and you probably don't like that. So, So Jesus, I don't even know if you completely love me. So I'm just throwing this prayer out here and and, and it's probably not going to... And you set yourself up 
for failure. You set yourself up for disappointment. See, that's not praying with expectation and boldness and hope and faith. See, faith and expectation, they have to be tied together. And maybe, instead of asking, do we lack faith in our prayer? Maybe we should go back and start looking at our expectations. It's weird to say that you need to put expectations upon God. But his word attests to who he is, his personality and his attributes. So how can we not place expectations upon God? We're going to get to that a little bit more in a second. See, we should be looking at those expectations. Psalms 5.3. This is great. I love this passage. Oh Lord, in the morning you will hear my voice. In the morning I will direct my prayers to you and I will watch expectantly. See, we pray and we continue to pray and then we position ourselves with expectation to watch and see what God is going to do. How many of you guys are guilty of screwing this up completely? I would raise both arms right now, but I can't, so I'll just raise the one. I, I do it. I do it all the time. I pray, and then I go along with my day. But where's the expectancy? Am I, am I praying with expectancy? And am I watching with expectancy? And then we walk around and we're so surprised. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. You've got to hear what God did in my life. It is beyond me. I can't believe it. Instead of, I prayed in faith and in expectation. And God did it. God came through. What a testimony that is. See, we need to be memorizing Psalms 5.3. We need to memorize it. We need to implement it. And we need to pray with expectation, filled with faith and hope. Amen? You got things going on in your life? You think, man, that relationship is dead. This situation is chaotic. There is no way out of this. This is so bad. I can't understand this. This person, oh my gosh. We can say those things. We can allow those things to affect us. We can pray about those things. Or we can implement this thing called faith and hope and expectation. I'm telling you, you pray with faith and hope and expectation, try doing that and praying out loud. You're going to hear your own voice thinking, who is that guy? Why is that guy praying so loud? Why is he praying with so much excitement? Because excitement is tied to godly expectation. You can't get away from that. Mark 11, 22 and 23 is another to-the-point verse, easily memorized, and, and we need it every single day. And you guys know it. And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Is Jesus talking about civil engineering here? Is he, is he talking about landscaping here? 
No, I, I don't think he is. He's, he's using this, this metaphor of, of the mountains within our lives, right? We come to a mountain, it's challenging, it's in the way, it's daunting, it's hard to get to the top. It's like, wow, it's this giant thing within my life and it's, it's just there and it's always going to be there. And Jesus is saying, no. You pray in faith and in hope and in expectation. You pray to me and you, you believe in that. There's no mountain within your life that cannot be moved. Some of you guys this morning, you're dealing with mountains in your life. They've been in your life for far too long. They're just a normal landscape in your life. And far too many of you are, you are using those, those, those bad mountains in your life as a landmark, as a, as a, as a way to navigate no, we navigate off Christ. Because he's the one that can remove those mountains. See, Jesus is emphasizing here to the disciples that a person's confident, abiding faith combined with God's power can produce absolutely amazing results if the request is in harmony, in harmony with God's will. See, God is fully capable of doing what we regard as impossible to achieve His will, and His will is always perfect. His will is always good for us. His will is always beneficial to His church. We want to combine this with, with what James writes in James chapter 4 to really keep us in a proper understanding you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So the expectation that we are to have in prayer is the expectation that God is good and his will is complete. We stand in faith, not, not in our own expectation, but rather in his expectation as testified to in Scripture. Why? Why do we do this? Why is this so vitally important? Because human faith, human faith is limited and it's based upon our own fallible expectations and unbelief. Did you know that? Your own faith is, is limited. And that your own faith can be tainted and fallible we have this doubt and this unbelief that's just in there somewhere. Look at Mark 9. Mark 9 is great. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help. Help my unbelief. Now one might read this passage, right? And one might criticize the father for a lack of faith. Well, your, your kid, your kid's there. Sick, lying there, and Jesus is there. And Jesus wants to heal it, and you still don't have enough faith. You still don't have enough faith, and you come back, and you actually have to ask Jesus to help your unbelief. See, if we're hypocritical, if we're, if we're hurt within our own lives, if we're, we're spiritually um, ignorant, or we try to set, set ourselves up as spiritually superior to all these other 
common people with normal faith. See, we can criticize this father. But I commend him for recognizing that his own faith was not enough and he needed to be dependent upon Christ. Listen, listen closely. Everyone, from the most passionate Christian to the most ardent atheist to the darkest Satanist, has their own measure of faith. But the faith of Christ is unlimited. It's completely unlimited. So we must rely and align our faith, our personal faith, with His, or all is futile. It's hollow. It's impractical. And that may sound odd, coming from the pulpit of a biblical Christian church, because the majority of us in here today do profess a faith in Christ. But are we willing to step aside with our faith and fully accept His faith? in all situations. See, that's a big difference. <laughs> yeah. Jesus isn't your backup. Jesus isn't your assistance. Well, if I don't have enough faith, Jesus will come along and supplement the rest. No, it's, it's not that. It's Jesus' faith. It's Jesus' promise. That's what we put our trust and our hope in. Now, remember, remember the definition of faith. Something that is believed, especially with strong conviction. See, faith is, is trust or, or confidence in, in someone or something. So honestly, who? Right now, who is that someone? Or what is that something? I know what the Christian church Sunday morning answer is. But I don't care about that. I'm personally asking you that question this morning. What is that someone, who is that someone, or what is that something that you right now are, are relying upon or putting your faith in? See, this is a deep and wrenching question. And even though it can be hard to ask, it brings us to this wonderful place of, of discovery and an even more closeness with Christ and the power of His faith. It's wonderful, it's great, it's, it's amazing. Let's look at one last verse, and this is a good one. Romans 5.2 Through Him, Christ, we also have access by faith into this remarkable state of grace in which we firmly and safely and securely stand let us rejoice in our hope and the confident assurance of experiencing and enjoying the glory of our great God, the manifestation of his excellence and power. Talk about a bunch of incredible words. Underline those words. Start using those words in your prayer time. Start using those words in your testimony. The faith-based in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, that in turn brings the wisdom we are to live by and to work in, right? 
So if somebody says, man, I don't know how to do that in terms of sharing your testimony or, or in your prayer, like, man, I just don't know how to do that. I wish, I wish we could get like a, a, an instruction manual on how to do that. Well, actually, we do have an instruction manual, and it's a really, it's a really good one because it's the Word of God. And faith comes through hearing, hearing the Word of God. So faith... Faith is always based in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And the greater the knowledge, the greater the, the, uh, the faith. The greater the relationship, the greater the knowledge, the greater the faith. And in turn, the greater the expectancy and the expectation when we go to prayer. So faith-based in the knowledge of Jesus Christ brings the wisdom, the, not the knowledge, the wisdom that we are to live by and to work in. Now our faith, not our faith, but his faith. Remember, the concept of Christianity is easy, but the application can be much harder. It is his faith that truly changes us. And it is his faith that truly defines us. Haven't you heard the story? Well, I just looked at that person and I saw Jesus. That's because it's him that defines us, right? I don't see the concept of Christianity. I see the, the beautiful, loving exercise of Christianity in that person. Boy, that's contagious, right? That draws us in to that. It is his faith. Listen to this. It is his faith that, that casts out fear. And it is his faith that grants us the ability to love the unlovable. It is his faith that allows us to see ourselves as the Father sees us. And it is his faith that is the wellspring of joy. Worship team, if you guys want to come up. Smith Wigglesworth once said this, and, and, I, and I like this. Three things work together. The first is faith. Faith can always bring the second thing, fact. And fact can always bring the third thing, joy. How many, how many of you guys in here have ever tied those three things together? But again, we're talking about true faith. We're talking about his faith. It's a good thing. You guys want to pull those lights down as the worship team comes up? Of course, of course we have to give you an invitation, right? We have to give you a time of response this morning, and it's so desperately important every Sunday it's desperately important this morning because some of you guys in here have been getting through your days really with a limited amount of faith if you have faith at all. And if we're going to be honest with ourselves, there's people in here that, that though they are a Christian, maybe they're just relying a lot more on their own faith or the expectations of others, or all sorts of things. So each one of us in here can probably be challenged and even convicted 
within our own lives and the faith that we are holding on to and expressing. Maybe this concept of Christianity is one that you're living in. But the true application of Christianity has has really been outside of of how you're living and conducting your life. I'm I'm, going to tell you this right now. Everything from the littlest to the biggest can, can begin to change this morning. And that's part of our faith journey. All too often in our faith journey, we don't have a complete understanding of the faith that Christ has for each one of us. It's His faith that we operate in. That all comes back to this concept of having to die to ourselves. So this morning as we enter back into worship, I'm going to invite anybody in here this morning who's feeling a tug, who's feeling challenged, who's feeling convicted to have an interaction with Jesus this morning empowered by the Holy Spirit that gives us, that grants us the revelation of the faith that he has for each one of us. If you're on, man, if you're on your last string, if that last straw is about to hit the camel's back, if you feel like you can't carry it anymore, you don't have to. Because Jesus says, hey, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Take my faith upon yourself and allow me to have that that say and that, that control within your life. So if you're feeling that tug this morning, let's just meet at the altar. Let's Let's pray with each other. Let's hold each other up. Let's get before God. If it's if it's kneeling on the altar and getting with Him one on one, if it's if it's getting with a couple of people, let's do it. Because it's 2024, guys. God is on the move. We have to move so far beyond the the concept of church and Christianity to the true practice of being a disciple of Christ. Amen. Stand up, please. I'm going to pray. We're going to open these altars. We're going to worship. We're going to take as long as we need because all that soup sits in crock pots anyway. It'll stay warm for weeks if need be. But we don't want to shortchange our time in here this morning, this response time. In order for a bowl of soup, we learned last week what between Jacob and Esau and the soup that was involved there, right? Don't let anything stand between you and Jesus and the faith that he has for you this morning. Father, Lord, you are so perfect in all your ways. You are so perfect in, in, in your word. You are so perfect in your plan and in your application. And all of that comes together within each one of our lives. We each have our own story that you are writing. And Lord God, some of the chapters in tragically and some of them are part of the overall plot and they continue to build. But Lord God, this morning can be a piece of that story. This morning we can come before you and simply say, I've had enough with my own way. It's your nothing, Jesus. It's your nothing. So, so Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. Jesus, I'm faithful, but help my faith. He will always 
come to your aid when you cry out in such a way. So Jesus, we're asking for this time to be a time of healing, to be a time of vision, to be a time of repair, to be a time of reconciliation. Most of all, be glorified and may your will be done. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. This concludes today's message. We hope you can join us next Sunday for services beginning at 10 o'clock a.m. at Bridge Assembly located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information about Bridge Assembly, go to bridgehelena.com. And we hope you can join us next Sunday with Pastor Jason Metz.